Blog Talk Radio. Well then, it was supposed to work, and now it seems to not want to work. So as usual, we are scrambling for our the lead-in to our show. Hello, Seth. How are you today? I'm good, man. I mean, I thought those scripts only happen when I host. They do. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. And once again, those screw-ups only happen when Seth came into hosting the show. Like it is on cue. Hello, Seth. Sean, that was beautiful Atlanta. How are you? Atlanta is lovely today. I hear that I got out of New York at just the right time. I'll take your word for that. Well, I don't know. What's the weather like in New York? Because it's 75 degrees and sunny here. Bright sunny. No clouds in the sky. Uh, it's, 50. it's 50 and raining. Okay, so I guess I got out at the right time. Um, we got a lot to talk about today. We have the NBA lottery tonight, and basically it could be a Knicks, worst ni- Knicks fan's worst nightmare or greatest dream. There's really no middle ground for this one. Uh, the number one pick is far more important than any of the other picks. I think there is a great uh, drop between one and two. There is probably a drop between three and four. Two and three are pretty much the same. And then, but what Knicks fans are not realizing is that there is a greater chance of getting the four pick than there is the one, the two, or the three. And there are two other teams that have the exact same shot at getting the one pick, that being the Cleveland Cavaliers, who have won the lottery three times in the last 15 years or the Suns who won it last year. And, Seth, I don't see the Knicks winning it. I mean, look, you can predict all you want. It's odds. It's 14%. But if they do win it, then you have a whole lot of theories going on as to how they won it. I don't think that the – there was a great article in The Athletic where uh, they went through all the ways that the league could possibly – also the lottery tonight and it just makes it so so like it it can't be done i mean come on uh, i look i would love it i saw cleveland get lebron which i thought was fait accompli and a frozen envelope as well but i just don't see the Knicks getting zion tonight i have never seen a city so talk about something where you have less than a 15 percent chance of, ha- of it happening it, 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 it's almost like it's been on, on all the TV shows and radio shows. It's like it's been a given. I, I, I don't understand. And you have a 14% chance. It could happen. But there's no reason to assume it will. So, to me, I, I, I'm laughing at the whole thing. I, I, I think it's ludicrous. Uh, <coughs> And if it happens, you know, it's good for you guys. You'll have Anthony Davis, Kyrie, and and Kevin Durant. And if it doesn't happen, and I don't think, I'll tell you, you if it doesn't happen, it? we're still gonna we're still gonna have Anthony Davis, Kyrie, and Kevin Durant. I don't think How that, that this is going to ch- I don't think this is going to change one bit as to whether Anthony Davis becomes a Nick. Not one bit. So if you get the fourth pick, the fourth pick in Knox is going to get you Anthony Davis? The fourth pick Knox and two number ones? Probably. Does that bet? Look, we, we can go on and on as to whether this is a better deal or that is a better deal. But I think if the Celtics are out of it, if they, if they decide they're out of it. Look, if they're in it, Jason Tatum's the best player in any of the deals. We've already talked about this. But without Kyrie... They're not trading Marcus Smart. They can't trade Terry Rozier. They're, they're limited by what they can trade. 
if they are going to hold on to Jason Tatum, it is going to be a package led by Jalen Brown. Jaden Brown, excuse me, Jaden Brown. So Jaden Brown, the 13th pick, the 8th pick, and a number one pick, is that any better than, say, R.J. Barrett, Kevin Knox, and a number one? I don't know. It depends on how much you you think Jaden Brown is worth. And also the fact that he is coming up on an extension next year, which you're going to have to pay him. Well, you wouldn't have to pay. You'd be paying rookie contracts for both Knox and R.J. Barrett. I don't think, no. I don't think I, the Lakers pick is any, I don't think the Lakers is any better. I mean, for all intents and purposes, you're talking very similar players. And you probably do have to take Barrett as three if that's where you're going with it. Um, but that's a – I don't know. Um, look, the, look the, the worst thing that could happen for the Celtics is Kyrie going anywhere but uh, – sorry. The worst thing that happens for the Pelicans – is Kyrie going anywhere but staying with the Celtics? Because if he stays with the Celtics, I think they're open to trading Jason Tatum. If Agreed. he's gone, I don't, think, I don't think they are, and they lose all their leverage because who's left? Who's left that, that Anthony Davis will re-sign with? He already said, I mean, look, this is a discussion for another day because there's a lot going on today. But the fact is, it leaves the Lakers, the Knicks, maybe the Mavericks. That's it. I don't see any other team that has anything remotely close, and I'm not even sure the Mavericks have it, to get that done. It's, it's fast. Or the Nets. What do you say? Or the Nets. The Nets have it if they want it. They have, they have the ability they ha- but I don't think they're trading first-round picks anymore. I think they're kind of out of that game. Well, no. The only way Brooklyn trades first-round picks for Davis is if Davis pretty much confirms that he will sign long-term. Well, I think that's the, the, I think that's the case with any of these teams. Yeah. I don't think you're trading R.J. Barrett, Kevin Knox, and two normal picks on the shot that Anthony Davis is going to sign. Right, but also you're not making that trade unless you sign Durant and Irving. No, nope, I think they do it anyway. I think they do it anyway. I absolutely How do. You do. If it's R.J. Barrett, if it's not Zion, if it's just R.J. Barrett, I think they do it anyway. Because okay. then you have your lead. You just you have your lead horse. If it's Zion, no. If it's Zion, I think they don't make that trade. And. As we discussed a couple of weeks ago, I'm not even sure the trade is worth it with Zion. Quite frankly, I think the the salary implications are a whole lot worse. But the fact is, they would do it. But if it's not Zion, like you just said, what are you really getting anyway? You're getting R.J. Barrett, who you're not exactly sure what you're getting. I mean, look, he's a legitimate top three prospect in this draft, but... We've seen top three prospects fizzle out. Then you have Kevin Knox, who is circumspect as a shooter, certainly has athletic ability, and you're trading two lottery picks, basically. And I don't mean they'll be in the lottery, but basically that's what draft picks are. You're trading for a top five player in the, in, in the league, top ten player in the league. You do that every time. Zion's a whole different beast. But I think you are right. Things are going nuts in New York. Things are going nuts in Atlanta. All over for Zion. When any one team only has 14% chance of getting this guy. And wouldn't it be crazy if the 76ers, with their 1% chance, wound up with him? Now, that brings trusting the process to a whole new level. Let's put it that way. Um, and what's, what's so interesting is you kind of look at what – at what the um, at these two teams that were supposed to dominate, you know, they they did their rebuild, 
It was supposed to dominate the East for years to come. Boston is completely, may very well be in shambles in a, in a rebuild again, which is, for all intents and purposes, unfathomable. If Kyrie leaves and they try and trade Hayward, who's worth about 30 cents on the dollar, because I don't think he has any value at this point, and suddenly you're taking a big step back. Nobody knows what's going to happen in Philly, except that Brett Brown is going to coach next year. But you could be looking at, geez, you know, Butler wants a max contract. Harris wants a max contract. You know, do they trade Simmons? Do they trade Embiid? Can they play together? They, you know, do they re-sign JJ? You know, what are you looking at in Philly? And I don't think anyone really knows. I think you're looking at two different different teams, though, and I get that in two different scenarios. So let's see Kyrie leaves. That's okay because Boston is prepared. Look, you're never prepared to lose a Kyrie Irving. But at the same time, what did they give up to get him? Not very much. They still have their treasure trope. They still have three first-round picks this year. They have two first-round picks next year. Terry Rozier, granted not Kyrie Irving, but comes back, right? And we've both talked about how we don't believe Kyrie is worth the money, truth be told. But at the same time, you're looking at a team that is basically what Boston was last year because Kyrie didn't play in the playoffs. And you're adding Gordon Hayward. And, yes, you're re-signing Al Horford to another $30 million, but the fact is, you have three first-round picks. First-round picks for teams like this that are capped out are solid gold because they are low-cost replacements or backups. I think you're in two entirely different situations between Boston and Philly. Boston. I agree. I was, just talking, I, I was just talking about it more of a high, on a high level. Where okay. I, with, with Irving, you were expecting literally – domination for years to come. Sure. And, you know, he, he proved not to be a number one and not to be a leader. And, or not to be, at least I should say, a leader in the way that someone who leads a team to a championship would be considered a leader. Not a Messier, not an Iserman, you know, not a LeBron, I guess. And, you know, maybe he is just better as that really phenomenal sidekick. The number two he was with LeBron. The number two he may end up being with KD or with LeBron again in L.A. You know, nobody really knows what ha- what's happening except the only thing I think people are pretty confident is for a guy who said he was going to be back less than a year ago, it doesn't seem too likely now. No, and, that, and there's nothing wrong with being a number two. I mean, at the end of the day, there really is nothing wrong with it. We've seen some phenomenal number two. Scotty Pippen was, was one of the best number twos. Elgin Baylor was a number two. Elgin Baylor or Jerry West, one of them was number two. Hal Greer was a number two. You can make the case that even Magic Johnson was a number two for five years with the Lakers. I mean, number twos are okay. You can have Hall of Fame number twos. You don't need to, you don't need to be the number one. It's not like a starting pitcher in baseball where the number two pitcher is generally almost never a Hall of Famer. I can think of maybe six or seven off the top of my head in history that you would say the number two is a Hall of Famer, Drysdale, uh, Kurt Schilling, guys like that. But in basketball, number, there's only five guys on the court. So number two isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world. But I think you're absolutely right in the fact that Kyrie may have proven that his ceiling is just the best Robin there is to a Batman somewhere. And, again, there's nothing wrong with that, but I don't think it will be in Boston next year. Um, But you're right with regards to the 76ers, because the 76ers, while they trusted the process for, what, four or five years, give or take, right? I mean, they were bottom straps for four or five years. They traded most of their treasure trove to speed up that process. 
They traded two number one picks for Tobias Harris. They traded a number one pick for Jimmy Butler. They traded all of their depth for Butler and for Harris. If they lose this, they have their first-round pick this year, but I don't believe they have multiple picks in any other year coming up. I think they traded all of them. So you're right. I don't think they're scrapping the bottom of the East, but they're certainly uh, taking a huge step back. So let me ask you this. Granted, we're no more than five days from when the 76ers lost. If you had to predict right now, how many of that starting five are coming back? You have Reddick, Simmons, Embiid, Harris, and Butler. How many of the five? I'll say three. Okay, you want to give me the three, or you just want to lay it with three? No. I'm going to say Simmons and Embiid, I think both come back. I think they can only keep one out of Butler and Harris. Butler's the better player. Harris is the younger, is younger, has more upside at this point. I don't know which one they keep. I can't imagine they can sign all four. I think Reddick, I think Reddick is gone. Um, it, gun to my head, they keep they keep Harris, not not Butler. Cause it, but just because of the age and the mileage that is on Butler at this point. But yeah, that's probably what I would stick with. Well, there is substantially more mileage on Butler than Harris, no question about it. Well, but agreed. if you saw, but if you saw the way that the both of them played in the last series. Harris was invisible for the majority yeah. of the series. And Butler was a monster. And Philly loves Butler. I mean, Butler's a hard guy not to like. Butler is the overachiever that came out of Marquette, was not a, uh, was not a superstar, and made himself into probably one of the top five two-way players in the NBA. Hard not to like a guy like that that shows the emotion. Harris was... Harris is going to get a max contract because it's going to be like it was a couple of years ago. All these teams have so much money to burn, and so they're going to burn it. And one of them is going to be a max contract of 30 to $32 million a year for Tobias Harris. Your Nets may be that team. He's not one of the top 20 players in the NBA. He's just not. And he's going to get no. a max contract which means one thing and one thing only. Teams have too much money. Just that simple. Okay, so we have four teams left. And uh, so we have the Bucks, the Raptors. We haven't even touched upon the Raptors and how well they played or how well specifically Kawhi played. Because besides Kawhi and Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka, it looked like the rest of the team utterly disappeared in that last game. Uh, Siakam... You could see he was hesitant beyond all belief to take any shot whatsoever. And Kawhi Leonard, look, you want to say LeBron James is the best player in basketball, I'm not going to argue with you as far as that's your opinion. But Kawhi Leonard has to be 1A, if not 2, in that list. And he played just like that in this series. Would you rather have... At this point, not going forward, right now, Giannis or Kawhi? Kawhi. Right now, for this playoff series, I would rather have Kawhi. I would agree with you. And because of that, I'm taking the Raptors over the box. Um, I know you and I have had differing of opinions on this. I believe you said you would take the box. But... The Bucs are off, have been off four or five days, uh, over a week, excuse me, over a week. The Raptors just look like they are playing very good basketball. And, look, we've said this before, the best way to keep Kawhi or any player is to win. You're, convinced, you're convincing me that Kawhi is going to stay in Toronto 
and maybe that's just my heart hoping that my head doesn't know. But uh, I'm going to take the Raptors in six games. I think they steal one in Milwaukee early, and they finish it off in Toronto. I don't. Um, I know that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> the reason that it's worked out so well for Kawhi is that he has been relatively fresh because he has not played, you know, he's played 60 to 65 games this year, not 80. Um, but I look at that team, I'll tell you, you know, the funny part is the most talented team, Philly was a more talented team. And Toronto toughed it out. And no, I don't know, it's a really, this is a really tough series to pull. Um, I think a lot depends on the health of Brogdon. And see, I think Toronto is more talented. But as you said, you need Siakam to stand up, Siakam to step out and to be really what Chris Middleton is. Um, you need that, that real sidekick. And not, you know, Leonard can't be taking 40 shots. I think Milwaukee's better coached. I think... I like their depth a little bit better than what Toronto than Toronto's. I think it's a really good series. Um, I do like Milwaukee in seven, but I'm not I'm not overwhelmed I'm not overwhelmed by it. And you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised based on the veteran leader you know, look, this is where Danny Green you know, Danny Green and Leonard have been there before. You know, Marcus Sowell, although he's never been to a final, is a veteran. Has been, you know, the Milwaukee is a young team. Milwaukee doesn't have a heck of a lot of playoff experience. That Toronto, ironically, does. Um, I do like Milwaukee, although admittedly, I'm kind of talking myself out of it a little bit right now. I love that. Um, Go for that. Go with that. Talk yourself out of it. Yeah. Let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> So I'll, I'll stick come with Milwaukee. The, and come, come, come to the dark side, young Padawan. Come to the dark side. Uh, the, the problem uh, also so is I don't I, I I don't have a lot of faith in Kyle Lowry as a playoff as good a player as he is. I kind of want to see the the regular season Lowry stand out in the playoffs, which we really haven't seen yet. There have been moments of it, well, but he will have to play like that to win the series. Well, I will tell you, it's all about the guy that guards Giannis. And and the way Ibaka played in the last in the last series, you can have him on Giannis. You have Kawhi on Giannis. You can have Siakam on Giannis. I don't think you have that type when you have three guys like that that can all guard the best guy. And I'm not saying they're going to guard him well, but they're certainly going to guard him. You kind of have what the Bulls had with Scottie Pippen, right? Jordan never had. Jordan wanted to take the best guy. But he never really did, because Pippen did. Pippen was the guy that let Jordan focus mostly on offense, not on defense. And I think you have that with Toronto. I'm not really sure you have that so much with the box, in that you have Giannis who can guard just about anybody. Not just about. He can. He can guard anybody. But other than that, Middleton's not a great defender. They just don't have – Bledsoe is a 6-2, 6-3-point guard. They don't have guys that can guard Kawhi other than Giannis. So where are you getting that secondary help from? That, that's the reason. Okay, so we're moving from the, from the east to the west. And once again, the Rockets with Daryl Morey, they fall short. They are tapped out. They have no room to do anything. Where do they go from here? Where is the next step? They have Chris Paul at $40 million. They have James Harden at $40 million. They have Clint Capella at $18 million. Eric Gordon and who's the other? Oh, Eric Gordon and P.J. Tucker are on their final years of their contract at around $10 to $11 million apiece. I, I don't know. Look, if you could, if you're Daryl Morey and you can legitimately trade Chris Paul for anything valuable, Paul has three more years at thirty-five to forty million dollars a year. I think you have to trade him. 
the problem is I don't see many teams that have A, that cap room, and B, would want him. Yeah, the problem is you're getting him for 70 cents on the dollar, and that's really what he's worth at this point. Um, they can't beat they can't beat Golden State. It's very simple. Um, Capella was a non-entity in the playoffs. Paul had a good, had a game or two that was good, but Paul is well, Paul goes down as probably a top five point guard of all time, but he's not what he was four or five years ago. Um. I don't. I think they're stuck. I, I I think they play with what they got, and I I, I don't know. I mean, you're not going to get Ben Simmons for him. Not going to get a top tier player for Paul with his. So I don't. Seth, you, I, I don't think Seth. You just said you just said seventy cents on the dollar. I actually think you're being generous. I am. I don't even think you get that. I don't even think you get that much. It's a $40 million player. Now, remember, there are teams that have $40 million in cap room, but they aren't many. If you're the Knicks, uh, just play this out. If you're the Knicks, are you giving up two-thirds of your cap room that you spent a lot to go get, a lot of equity to go get? Are you giving up two-thirds of your cap room and then giving up positive players to make that happen? I don't think so. I think this no. is a negative – at $40 million, I think Chris Paul is a negative contract at this point. He is. So you would have to give me a sweetener to give me Chris Paul. Great, which is the whole I mean, point of I don't see it. Yeah, I, I, I just don't see how that works out. For anybody, I don't see how Houston wins any trade or can sell any trade to their fan base of him. And I don't see any team that says, okay, I mean, look, I can see a team taking him, but that team is going to be getting rid of their own crappy contract, right? So you're trading him for Andrew Wiggins. And if you're the Rockets, I'm not sure you do that. If you're the if you're the Timberwolves, you do. But that's the type of contract that you're looking to that you would be looking to acquire if you are trading Chris Paul at this point. And it's a shame because, unlike well, not unlike, it's like what we've been talking about for the last 10, 15 years in most excuse me most sports. You're not trading talent anymore. You're trading contracts. And yep. it's unfortunate that that's what this has come down to, but that's exactly what it is. You are trading Chris Ball's contract. I love Chris Ball as a player, but he's nowhere close to that, to that value anymore. And that's what you're basically doing. So you're going to live and die with Chris Ball and that team for one more year. If they don't have a first I, – I don't believe they have a first-round pick. They might. I don't think so. And then how do they get supplements? Well, it'll be in the bot. It depends if they're going to go into the tax and the buyouts. Now, let's flip the switch and let's go to the other side of the conference and the other team that lost, the Denver Nuggets, and talk about a team that is set up to take on the rest of the league. They're ready. This team has everything that they can need for next year, and they're getting Michael Porter back. Now, what's high, what? what quality of Michael Porter is an unknown, but you're certainly getting basically a top 10 pick back that has not played. And you have probably top to bottom, the most talented team in the NBA. I'm not sure I'd go that far, but they are a team to be reckoned with for the next three to five years. Um, they will be a championship contender next year. Yeah, the reason they lost realistically to Portland was just a lack of experience. And like I'm laughing, oh, sorry, I'm just laughing. I I'm, I have some PPI on in the background. In the headline at Sports Center is, what happens if the Knicks don't get Zion? Like exact 
point on all of them. It just seems assumed that they're going to get him. I don't know why. Um, interesting thing with Denver, will, will they re-sign Millsap? Because I think he has a one-year million dollars. So, so Paul Millsap has a team option for $30 million. So do they pick up the $30 million, which they have the option to do, or do they decline it? and re-sign him for a longer term at maybe something smaller than $30 million. The thing about the Nuggets is that they have a lot of guys next year that are open for extension, such as Jamal Murray and Will Barton. And what they do with those guys, are they going to extend them this year? If they're going to extend them this year, then they're just picking up Millsap's contract. That's it. They're not going to extend Millsap's. But do you believe that it's potentially Michael Porter can become the replacement for Paul Millsap? And if he can, why do you re-sign Millsap for a couple more years at $30 million or even $25 million when you have a built-in guy that basically makes it for 10 if not less? I don't think you do. I think you take your shot. You pick up Millsap's one-year contract, which means you're, let, you're, not in the, you're not in the tax yet. And then you deal with it then. The problem is, does Millsap want that? $30 million is $30 million, but he's basically also at the point where he's a vested veteran where he may want the, the operative word being respect, which respect in NBA and sports translation is money. <laughs> uh, so who knows whether that's going to actually work for them. But I think they are they're the next team. They're the next team that's going to make a run. I think they're actually going to make a run for the next five years. This is the team that's going to take over for Golden State. I think they beat Golden assuming Durant does not come back next year, I think they are the team in the West next year. I think they had their one fault and now they're back and I think they're going to be in the finals. I'll put two out in the next three years. I'm not ready to go there quite yet. But, yes, they're an extraordinarily talented team. And I think the one thing we've learned over the years is you have to you – can, you can never assume three years into the future on these kind of things. But, That's fair. You know, there, That's fair. The, so should you know, we – Porter can become what we what he was supposed to become. Then yeah, um, they're deep. They have you know an MVP esque player in, in Joe who is signed for the next four years. Jamal Murray, I'm sure if he doesn't get a max, will be pretty damn close. Gary Harris is solid. Monty Morris is solid. They've done well with picks in their late 20s, like Torian Craig, you know early 30s stuff like that. They're a good team, and they will they will be in the, they will be in the discussion for years to come. Okay, so now moving on to my Detroit Pistons. Oh, sorry, Portland Trailblazers, who uh, who proved very similarly to the Pistons that they are uh, a tough team to be reckoned with. Uh, C.J. McCollum did his best uh, Joe Dumars impersonation and uh, won that game for. The, for the Trailblazers, look, I don't give them much of a shot in this series. I know you're talking five games and close. I just don't see it. I see this. Uh, I think it's five games, but I don't. I think they'll win one, but I don't think it'll be close at all. I think that. I think I said it before. I thought that Detroit, uh, Denver would be the team that could give the Golden State Warriors a run for their money. Well, I did not think Portland would, and I stand by that. I think it's, you're right, it's five games, but they may squeak out one, but the other four are going to be, not be close at all. I think it's going to be a fun series. I think it's going to be amazing guard play. I mean, look, the issue is like everything else. If Kevin Durant is 100% healthy, that's one thing, but I don't think anyone thinks he's going to be 100 No, that's that's certainly and if, true. No question. That. And if, you know, look, it's a lot easier to say this if Nurkic is playing also. 
and to make the to make the NBA to make the Western Conference Finals without him is a hell of an accomplishment. Going up. Oh, I don't. Against Mon- I don't. Th- I, I don't deny that. I just think that this is the end of the line for them. And uh, yeah. I think it's the end of the line pretty quick. And bo- both series start tonight. So we'll, we'll definitely have some good basketball. We'll, we'll, one of them might be, you know, both of them could conceivably be over by next week. I just don't think that's going to be the case. Uh, there's a day off, I believe, at least one in between every game. So, um, so we have that. Now let's move on to staying in the NBA, but coaching. Surprise, surprise, John Beeline moves from Michigan a little bit down the road to Cleveland and becomes the head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And when I saw that, when I saw Adrian Wojciechowski uh, announce that on ESPN yesterday, my jaw dropped with a wow. Because I, it was probably the furthest from my mind of people that I thought would take that job. 66 years old, has been a college coach forever with Canisius and go, I mean, forever. First NBA job. We had heard about his flirtations with the Pistons last year and that he would have taken that job had Dwayne Casey not gotten it. But this late in the game for Michigan, and here we are, with John Beeline leaving Detroit, leaving Lansing, excuse me, leaving East Lansing and moving on to Cleveland. Did you have the same reaction I did? Well, first of all, he didn't leave East Lansing, dude. He left Ann Arbor. Oh, sorry. East Lansing's Michigan State. Good call. Thank you. Um, I, I kind of like it. I kind of like it for the story. This is a guy who's a high school coach and through 40 years worked his way up being a high school coach, being a head coach in the NBA. He's been successful everywhere he's gone. I, I'm curious. It's more of a curiosity than anything else. He, I also don't know how many people wanted that job. Um, but don't mind it. I, I really don't. And out of what I've read, most NBA people haven't minded it, haven't minded it either. Um, that he's 66 is your, I don't really, doesn't, hey, hell, my dad's 73 and he's in three times better shape than I am at this point. So he doesn't have to do with recruiting anymore. Now the question he's going to have is can he handle, you know, you, when you're running an program, you're in control of everything. When you're handling, well, the uh, millionaires who are, you know, you may not have that ability. How is that going to work? And I don't know. So, I don't think it was a bad bad call. There was an interesting conspiracy conspiracy theory by Dan Gilbert. So, Dan Gilbert is an outspoken fan of Michigan State. Always has been. I I believe he's an alumnus of Michigan State as well. And a couple of years ago, he tried to sign Tom Izzo. And because of that, the conspiracy theory, and I say this in jest, was that, was that he hired Michigan's best coach ever so that Michigan State could beat them next year. Um, that's funny. I don't, necessarily go, I, I don't necessarily believe that to be true. But, that's funny. Yeah, oh, I think it was incredibly funny. I, I think it will, be, it will be more than interesting to see how this works. And the reason I say that is because if you look at the list of college coaches that have gone to the NBA, it has not been one of success. No, it hasn't. At all. It has been downright awful, except for the anomalies such as like Billy Donovan, who got put in an incredibly great situation. Because normally when... when he hasn't been overwhelmingly No, but I mean, but my point is, when you have openings in, in the NBA, much as 
in the Major League Baseball or in or in the NFL, you don't get openings with great players. You get openings with crappy teams, and that's why coaches get fired. I mean, it's an anomaly that a spot such as the Raptors job was open last year because it just because Wayne Casey just it was enough. But the fact is, most of the time they're crappy jobs, you or crappy teams. You have coach college coaches that say, "Oh, I can do this," and then they come into crappy situations, and they are crappy. And then three years later, they're fired, and then they're back in college, doing what they should have been doing from the first time. Now, John B. Line has a crappy team, absolute crap team. He's got Colin Sexton. He's going to have a top four pick in the draft. Look, he may get the number one pick. He may be coaching Zion Williamson, start knowing that tomorrow, for all we know. They have the same 14% chance as the Knicks do. Just to harp on what Seth was saying, the Knicks have the same chance that the, Nug- that the, uh, that the Suns and that the Cavs do for the first pick in the draft. So, but nobody in, Phil- nobody in uh, Cleveland or in, or in Phoenix is going to be crying if they don't get that pick probably because they've gotten a first pick in the draft in the previous, I don't know, 35 years. But the fact remains, Beeline's going to have a very young team, plus Kevin Love. <laughs> so Kevin Love's earning $32 million, I believe, next year. So he's not going to be one that's on the block. Because I don't, again, I think that's 30 cents on the dollar type thing. But yep. the East is there. Look, if he can put together a good team in the East, they can make the playoffs, especially with the uprising that is occurring in Philly and in in Boston. Do I think that those teams aren't going to make the playoffs next year? No, but they're certainly not going to be the stalwarts that they are this year. So you never know with those two guys. Okay, so let's move on. We talked a whole lot about the NBA. We We did actually, what, 42 minutes on the NBA. Who do you see being my, our college basketball guy, because that's certainly not me, as the replacement for John Beeline in, in Michigan? Now, we talked about Billy Donovan previously. There have been rumors that he's looking to get back into college and out of the NBA. I think if he, if he wants to come, I think this is a no-brainer for Michigan. But other than that, I haven't heard of many many coaches other than Nate Oates who said that he's not going to be a candidate that are in the running for that job. And look, you and I talked about this yesterday. It's Michigan. You're going to have interested parties. Seth, who are they? I think you're going to Florida. I think Mike White makes a lot of sense. I mean, I'm trying to think of guys – you have to look at this practically. You're not going to take a non-Power 5 con coach to take this job. Or not, a not, or if not a non-Power 5, a big conference, a big team coach. This is not where you, you have your first, big, your first Power 5 team, I should say. Um, I, it, is a, it is a phenomenal job for a couple of reasons. Number one, Bayline has really built a great organization, but or college, or whatever you want to call it. But number two, there's not the pressure of a Duke or a Kentucky. You know, it's similar to Texas, where you know the, the basketball is a secondary sport, so the pressure that goes with it is not to the same degree as it would be at a, at a as I say, at a Kentucky or a Duke or something like that. Um, I think they look at Mike White from Florida. I wouldn't be surprised, although I don't know if he's really looking to jump, considering he just took a job last year. I wonder if Mike Hopkins would be interested. Because that is a, I mean, that is a job. Hopkins is not going to get, Beheim's probably not retiring for another three, four, five years. And he's in a good position in Washington. But, I think you're looking at that type of coach. 
Look, um, Hopkins, Hopkins isn't coming back to Syracuse. I don't care what happens. I mean, I think it's I, – I, it doesn't matter. So I think you take that out of the equation. If you think Hopkins is a good fit, that's, that's one thing. Look, two-time Pac-10 coach of the year in his first two seasons. That would be a tremendous jump for him, tremendous, both, in, both personally and professionally. That would, I mean, two years ago he was an assistant coach, and now he is the coach of Michigan. Shaka Smart looks that way. I mean, I'm, I'm throwing out names here. So Shaka Smart in Texas, why I'm would, sure if the – Why would Michigan want you? Shaka Smart has done nothing in Texas. Why okay. Well, I, this is this is why I'm throwing out names, and this is why you're going to tell me yes or no. How about any assistance on that Michigan team? Yeah, we've heard the stories about that. Um, I I don't think they go in that direction. I just I, I don't. It's not this is not a Bill Guthridge where they've been there for 25 years, or even a Hopkins where they've been there for 20 some odd years. Um. I just think that's asking a lot, you know, that from a, that, from a head coach to jump into that position. Okay, two other guy guys. Was, two other guys. Bobby Hurley? That was, I mean, I was going to throw that name out there. Um, no, I know I had read that somewhere also. I mean, Jamie Dixon. Thad Mata? Who? Thad Mata? No, no. I mean, I read that. I mean, all these names were in an article. I'm just kind of trying to think a little bit more off the beaten path a little bit. You know, I'm assuming a guy like Bob McKinnon would never leave David, Davidson. Um, I, I wonder if Thompson JT3 would go there. I wonder if they'd have interest in him. I'm not a big fan of his, but. He was relatively successful at Georgetown for a long time. Um, I think there's and if a I'm lot correct, of moving... JT, if, if I'm correct, JT3 is not coaching right now, correct? He's not. He's not coached the last okay. two years. Right. So he's available, for lack of a better term. I could, look, in college coaching, everybody's available, right, until they're not. But right. he would actually be available. I mean, I think so, if they Beeline had done this earlier. To obvious, I, I think they would have gone after Buzz Williams, um, who I think is a top, top coach. But he just signed at A&M. And he may not have taken it anyway because he's an A&M guy. Um, yep. You know, you look at a Wojciechowski. You know, Marquette is probably going to take a step back after the transfers this year. Um I think Michigan, you know, Michigan is the kind of team that you have a wide, wide, wide net that you can kind of throw everything into, and you know, and see what, and see what, see really what's there. All right. So, if I'm you, if if you're the AD of Michigan, who is your pie in the sky choice? Who is your realistic choice? And who is your fallback choice? You got three guys. Your pie in the sky is Jay Wright. Um, who is your? Who do you think? Who do I think is the practical choice? Who do I think? Who I think yep. takes the who, job? Well, no. Who do you think is on the real list? Like Jay Wright is pie in the sky because you, much like the guy from Davidson, right, Bob McKinnon. Chances are he's not going to leave, right? That that makes him the pie in the sky. It's very unrealistic right. that he would leave. Okay, who is your realistic that would leave and would create some spark? And who is your backup that, okay, you got him. He may not be the most exciting choice, but you know he's like your safe school in college. Um, probably what I would look at would either be a, would be a Hopkins or a White. Um, okay, and who who's your safe school? You didn't get you didn't get Hopkins, you didn't get White, you didn't get you didn't get Wright, but you applied for this guy because you knew he's definitely going to come no matter what. 
but he doesn't bring that panache that you were looking for, and you're not overly excited by him, but you got a good coach. Can I add Rick Pitino to my pie in the sky? <laughs> you really think that's a pie? Is that a pie in the sky, or is that, or you just want to see that happen? Do you I think, think Michigan believes that's a pie in the sky? Because I don't think they I want don't think Michigan anything to do with him. That's why I'm laughing. How do you go from the from Bayline, who's like the bastion of honesty, right, to to uh, Rick Pitino? To Rick Pitino. Okay, so who's your safety school? Because to me, it's JT3, right? He's available. You know he'll take the job. But yeah. you get him, you're, you're kind of like, yeah, we got a coach. Yeah, we got a coach. It's, it's, it's nice, but nobody's going to be, yay, we got a coach. Like, it's just yeah. not there. Yeah. Okay. And so that's my so, uh, all right, I, I don't like hearing the words guns to your head. So let's just say um, you need to make a prediction on June, July 1st. No, I think it will probably be earlier than that. Let's say uh, June 15th. Who is the coach of Michigan? Billy Donovan. Okay. I will say on the 15th, it will be Danny Hurley. Oh, Bobby Hurley. Not Danny Hurley, Bobby Hurley. Okay, interesting. Definitely interesting scenario. And do you think the timing makes any difference? Do you think that oh, yeah. player, players are going to leave the longer this goes on? Because, look, Michigan's already losing three of their top five guys, right? I mean, two to the draft and one to graduation. Oh, no, the timing is awful because recruits that you've brought in, you know, other coach, other coaches, again, assuming it's not Donovan, but if it's, let's say it's Bobby, it's Bobby Hurley. You know, he's, which is, look, it's a very practical choice. He's already brought people to Arizona. Like, it's, it's a really uncomfortable time to do this. I mean, usually you do that. You know, I, I wonder why now. Why, why not a month ago? Not that it would have been enormously better, but Cleveland knew that Drew wasn't coming back. And I don't know if they knew that Bayline would take the job or not, but go late in the year for ready for this. I find this really difficult. Okay. So we have uh, about seven minutes left. Let's go through our NHL predictions. Boston already beating up on Carolina 2-0. to zero. Uh, I, I don't see Carolina coming back from this. Um, and I know you believe that I hate the Bruins more than anything else. Just not true. I don't mind seeing them play and play well, and they have done that. Uh, I will predict uh, Boston – Winning, actually sweeping them four to nothing. Okay. And then uh, the other side, the Blues and the Sharks. Your favorite, your favorite team and my favorite team, because I believe I have picked the Blues not this year, but every other year for like the last five years, and you have picked the Sharks every year, including this year, to make the finals. I really want to see Joe Thornton win a cup now. I just want to see that big beard, and I, and I want to see him retire because he deserves it. Uh, I'm going to pick the Sharks in seven, and then a, uh, which would be an amazing Stanley Cup final of Joe Thornton versus his former team, the Boston Bruins. And this is how old we are, Seth. Joe Thornton's been on the, Bruins, uh, the Sharks for 12 years. Really? Yeah. Dude, we're old. Because I remember when he was traded. We are legitimately old. Okay. We have about five minutes left in the broadcast. Uh, unfortunately, we did not get any calls today. Every week, you're, you're more than welcome to call in at 760-283-0846. 
760-283-0846. Seth, would you like to go first, or would you like me to uh, to lead us off? Generally, when I lead us off, you you don't like following because I involve death. Are you going to involve death on this one? It, it's a it's a possibility, but unlikely actually. It, it, no, no, I will not be involving death. I will not be okay, involving no, death. <laughs> Okay, so I went to the Atlanta United game on Sunday. Uh, the first time, well, actually, I'm sorry, the second time I had ever been to an MLS game. The first, uh, the first one was in New Jersey when I went to the Red Bulls and they filled up 20,000 people. This is at the Mercedes-Benz Dome, which holds 70,000 people. First of all, the stadium is absolutely beautiful. There's no getting around that. It, I totally understand what people say when they want a new stadium because they should be looking at this one, and I get it. But I was more amazed by how many people showed up to watch soccer. It wasn't even great soccer. It was pretty good soccer, but it wasn't great soccer. You could definitely see the, the change from, say, European soccer to, to this version in that this is the last 10% of players in the world. This is the bottom half or bottom 10 or bottom 20. You may get that one great player that may come every once in a while, but overall, this is a lower quality of play than you would see basically what I would view as a minor league soccer game. And you can see how maybe the pass was a little off here and a little off there. But over 50,000 people showed up to watch MLS soccer. I was shocked. I still am continually shocked that this happens after failure after failure after failure of leagues in, in Seth in my lifetime of soccer in North America. Do I think this is a fad? I don't know. Everybody supports a winner. The United were the, were the champions last year, and I think it will be very interesting to see next year, if they don't win this year, how many people show up. But it was nice to see such a, a great group of people show up to watch soccer played in the United States. And it wasn't Aventus or any, Manchester United. It was two legitimate United States teams in the MLS. So no death this year, no death this week, just a good old soccer game, a footy game in Atlanta. Seth, you're up with two minutes and 15 seconds to go. Now, you brought up the sport, and I mentioned it very briefly uh, last week. I don't think you've had a crazier year of English, so- crazier week of English soccer ever. You have Barcelona coming back, uh, blowing a three-nothing lead, Liverpool, with Liverpool without playing without their two best. At Tottenham coming down, coming back, zero down. At Ajax in the last, the last kick of the game. Out their best. That's your Champions League final. You have Arsenal and Chelsea in the Europa League final. So the team that won the championship, Man City, didn't even make either of these finals. Then they're banned from Champions League for next year. And they only win by one point over Liverpool, who had the third most points in the history of the EPL and didn't win the league. You couldn't ask for a crazier, crazier last week of English soccer, and just crazier competition. And forgetting if you like soccer or not, but to watch the last couple of minutes, of, to watch the celebrations, to watch the last couple of minutes of those two Champions League semifinals was amazing. And any, forgetting being a soccer fan, any sports fan will love it. So I would highly advise watch it on YouTube. It is so worth it. Fair enough. Okay, everybody, next week we'll have the results of the lottery, which we'll know in about an hour. We'll probably have our first take on where everybody's going and whether uh, the Knicks fans are in mourning or not. And chances are 14% doesn't give you a great uh, statistical advantage to getting Zion, and I will predict that they do not, not that that's saying much, because that's 86% of the chance that I will be right. Anyway, with that in mind, We'll talk next week. For Seth Kamins, this is Sean Palmer, Blog Talk Radio, backsportspage.com, and check you next week. Enjoy the week, everybody.
Have, Have a good, good one. one.